This is Christian Questions. Patrick Jones once said, The nail that sticks out the furthest gets hammered the hardest. Beware. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Christian Questions Talk Radio with a Purpose with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience, and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And Rick, that perspective is based on godly principles, family values, honest dialogue, all in a politically free zone. Jonathan, the best part is this. We talk and you listen, and then you talk and we listen. You can contact us at our website, ChristianQuestions.com. I'm Rick. And I'm Jonathan. And folks, we're truly glad you've chosen to spend some time with us on this very cold Sunday morning. Yes, it is. It's cold out there. I guess winter's here. There's yep. actually snow on the ground. Yep. So it won't go away. <laughs> and the older we get, the colder we get. Let's I know, say what's it. up with that anyway? You know, <laughs> you didn't have to say it out loud, but okay, here we are. So, Jonathan, what's happening this morning? What are we talking about? All right, Rick, our question for this morning is, should Christians only marry Christians? And our theme text is found in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14. Do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? So, the question, should Christians only marry Christians? To be a Christian, and let's start sort of at at the beginning here. To be a Christian is perhaps the most amazing privilege in the history of mankind. After all, you're called to walk in the footsteps of the Master. You're called to sacrifice your will, your time, and your energy for one short lifetime. And in exchange, you'll be given an eternity of godly power and wisdom to be used of God himself to rehabilitate the world from sin and rule along with our Lord Jesus in righteousness. Now that is pretty awesome. It's the best offer humankind could ever get. It really is. And, and you know, it, it, it's a limited offer. <laughs> Sign up now. Which it is. Because, right, because it will expire. Yes. Such privilege certainly comes with guidelines and requirements. Well, what are they? How specifically does God through Jesus guide our relationships. And and Jonathan, this is a a tough subject because we're dealing with very personal things here. Yes, we are. The idea of of, of love and marriage. This is not our, our annual love and marriage program. Uh, Jonathan, the love doctor, will be in in a few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Valentine's Day, I got gotcha. you. That's right. Okay. That's right. But uh, but this is this is really about a a, a scriptural perspective on viewing these things. Uh, and we're going to find out this is about much more than just simply love and marriage as we go Which through Which is this. so interesting yeah, when we yeah. break it down. So let's start with a, a general scripture on this. Galatians chapter 6, verses 9 through 10. So let us not grow weary in doing what is right, for we will reap at harvest time if we do not give up. So then, whenever we have an opportunity, let us work for the good of all, and especially for those of the family of faith. In the King James Version, it says those of the household of faith. And, and here's the thing. The reason we start with that scripture, it's very general in terms of, look, do good, um, and we want to do good to all men, but especially to those of the family of faith, or the household of faith. And the bottom line is there's many different brands of Christianity today. 
some that focus primarily on the feeling of the freedom in Jesus, you know, that sense of, that that is really the, the heart relationship, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and that's really their, their absolute main focus. And then you have the other side of the, of, the, of the issue, those who focus on the literal and often harshly interpreted words of Jesus. Uh, and there's lots of variations in between. Sure, sure. Now, what we're going to talk about today is probably not going to fit with either extreme, but somewhere in the middle. Okay, so as we go through this discussion, it's not going to be an easy discussion because with any discussion, uh, when you're talking about Christianity and scriptural interpretation, you are bound to step on somebody's toes somewhere. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, well, as we, well, we step see on, things differently right, in life. And, and we, we're wearing slippers when we step on your toes, okay? It's not like we're wearing work boots. <laughs> Steel toes. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's what they're wearing today. <laughs> Get away from them. <laughs> so, you know... We want to just uh, help you understand that as we go through this, we'd love to hear your perspective, especially if it's something different than what we, we might be saying here. Our number is 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. So, we've got the idea in place we need to do good unto all men, especially to the family of faith, and that in- includes a, a wide variety of, of, of understandings of Christianity. Now, John seventeen fourteen to 17 really starts to narrow our focus because these are the words of Jesus. Not only are these the words of Jesus, but these are the words of Jesus the last night before his crucifixion. Very, very important. This is his prayer that night uh, in Gethsemane. I have given them your word. And the world has hated them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. They do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. You know, he says, uh, talks about not belonging to the world and several times in these just these few lines. So Jesus is sending a very specific message in his prayer, uh, and he said in that prayer that he's not only praying for those that were with him, but all for all of those who would follow him throughout the age. Through their word. Right. So we're included yes. in that prayer. Yes. And, 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 you know, that's one of the things that's, that's really uh, completely amazingly awesome to me is Jesus prayed for you. And he prayed for me. Isn't that amazing? It is. It just, it just blows my mind when I think about that. So, but here's the thing, Jonathan. He's saying, look, they're not in the world just as I was not in the world. So he's saying, we are supposed to be like him. Mm-hmm. And so here's the question, folks. As we look at our Christianity, what could ever make us think that this is easy? That this walk, this walk of Christianity, this walk of sacrifice, if you will, can be customized to fit into our own lives rather than our own lives being shaped to fit the walk of Christianity. Wow. That, <laughs> that's, that's a hard question. And it's a hard question for so early in the morning, isn't it? Yes, it because is. Because it really is one of those mirror questions. And, and, and that's really sort of the basis of our conversation. Am I taking Christianity and fitting it into my life, or am I taking my life and fitting it into the walk of Christianity. It really is the challenge between self and selfishness versus doing the will of God no matter what. So, which is the most important thing? Right. That's, and, and, and you know, sometimes in our lives, 
um, we can maybe have part of our lives, and I'm sure you can relate to this, where, yes, we're really working at fitting our lives into the walk of Christianity, mm-hmm. and in some areas we might be weaker, and yeah. we fit Christianity into the, the, the customization of our lives. Sure, yeah. So, you, you know... Th- it's a challenge. There's a, there's a lot of levels here. So, folks, if you're listening and you believe yourself to be running for this very highest of callings that Jesus just described in John 17, then today's discussion is what we often call a mirror conversation. And which means that instead of looking around and saying, "Ah, look at Jonathan, I did," he needs. I hope Jonathan's listening to this. <laughs> that's completely the wrong way to look at it. That's right. It's, look in the mirror and that, ask yourself. That's right. How am I doing? Exactly. Am I falling in line with God's word? Exactly. 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 So let, let's keep the mirror thought in mind as we go through this. So our theme scripture is going to be 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 11 through 18. Now, we're not going to read the whole scripture right here, right now, uh, but we're going to go through that scripture. We're going to take it apart, go through it in pieces, because what it does, Jonathan, is it lays out for us guidelines for relationships if you are a true Christian, a true follower of Christ. And it's, it's an incredibly important set of scriptures. So, we're gonna as we go through these piece by piece. Let's get started by um, just kind of setting some context first. So, and you know me, that's one of my favorite words. It's important. It is. It really is. So, Second Corinthians. We'll start with chapter six, verses eleven and twelve. Our mouth has spoken freely to you, O Corinthians. Our heart is opened wide. You are not restrained by us, but you are restrained in your own affections. Now, in a like exchange, I speak as to children. Open wide to us also. So what is the Apostle saying? And I think to understand what he's saying here, this is in 2 Corinthians, we need to go back and look at 1 Corinthians. Because there, this is a process that he, we're dropping in on the process of the development of the church in Corinth. Mm-hmm. That's what we're doing. 1 Corinthians was written to a church, to, to a group of followers of Christ, whose priorities were inside out and backwards. They really were, you know, we we're talking about, are we fitting our lives into Christianity, or is Christianity fitting into our lives? Right, right. They really were doing a lot of fitting Christianity into their lives. They closed their eyes to dark moral sin while engaging in a sectarian brand of Christianity that welcomed no church, no ecclesia, that's the Greek word for church, discipline. Okay, they, they just, they just sort of, everybody was doing their own thing. They, there was a minimizing of the power of fellowship to solve issues. There was abuse of the Lord's Memorial Supper, the celebration of the Lord's Memorial Supper. There was spiritual pride. There was misuse of the gifts of the Spirit that were given to the church at that time, you know, the gifts of healing and speaking in tongues. They were misusing those things that were given at that time. There was the neglect of the things that were most important. So the Apostle Paul wrote the book, or we call it the book, the letter of 1 Corinthians. Hey, you know, talk about a long letter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he wrote that letter to straighten them out. And they needed someone to show them the proper way. Yeah, yeah. and that Because really, of where they came from. That really is the bottom line. They, they were completely pagan and idolatrous in their background, and they needed to be guided and, and straightened out. So Paul wrote them a hard, harsh letter. Several years later, he writes 2 Corinthians. And now he's written, writing to the same individuals, and what happens here, they had listened to the warnings that, that the apostle had given. Which is wonderful. It is, and in some, way, in some ways they even went overboard in their listening, but we're not going to get into that. Um, they're on their way to finally becoming more than just little babies in Christ, because that's what they were at the very beginning. So Paul loved them unconditionally, 
unconditionally. And here in Second Corinthians, he's asking for them to put away their humanness and embrace him as well. In other words, they were there. There was a sense that some of the the, the individuals in in the in the Corinthian church in the Corinthian group were had a had a feel of about the Apostle Paul that just wasn't welcoming. You know, like oh, he said all those bad things about us. He's saying, look, look, I have embraced you. Embrace me as well. It's like a father helping a child. Yes. You can just see it coming from him, trying to help them get right. it. And sometimes when we get that discipline, we don't like our father at that moment and in time. that's true. That is true. <laughs> and so he's saying to them, let your guard down. I am, I'm on your side. I'm with you. That's what Second Corinthians really is, is all about. So he's giving them general admonitions that would have particular significance in the context of their lives and in dealing with their deeply pagan background. Now, Rick, isn't this Corinthians experience a perfect picture of Christians being called from the world today yeah. to follow Christ? Yeah. You know, that was my experience. Yeah, exactly. And that's why these are such important letters for us. Even though it was written to them, it's mm-hmm. written to us Yes, because we live in a world that is very pagan. Okay, it just Absolutely. it just is. It just it just is. Let's go to a quick soundbite here before we end this first segment. Um, this is from Jeff and Alyssa Bethke, uh, and it was about should a Christian date a non-Christian? And they bring out an interesting point that we're going to sort of use uh, as a backdrop as we go through our program. Right? I mean, when you read the Gospels, you see two groups of people. You see that there was crowds gathered to Jesus, and then there was disciples gathered to Jesus. And what I like to think about that is you, you have followers and you have fans, right? And I think I heard someone say that, you know, there's a lot of little Christian boys out there, not many men of God, who will love and serve and sacrifice and be humble and lift you up and wash your feet, metaphorically and physically speaking. And so, um, with that being said, you know, is that someone you're looking for? Or are you just settling for someone who maybe says they love Jesus? And, you know, he's going on. The, the point that I really wanted to focus on at this point in time in our program is the idea of followers and fans. Mm-hmm. There's lots of fans of Jesus yep, good in, point. in our world. A follower of Jesus, it, and here, here's the distinction. A fan of Jesus will take the principles of Christianity and fit them into their life. And look, that's a nice, a nice thing to do. It's a good thing to do. It's healthy. Sure. But to be a true follower of Jesus, you're going to take our life, and I'm going to fit my life into the walk of Christ, no matter what that might mean. Right. So there's a big difference there between is. a follower and a fan. Absolutely. You know, are you suiting up for the game, or are you just sitting in the stands watching it? You're both <laughs> at the game. <laughs> right? Right. But the cost to the individual playing the game is much higher, and it, because it's much more of a difficult task to be there. So... And you do get more bruises. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if you're talking about football, which we will talk about a little bit later on in this program. Uh, lots to come. So, folks, this is an important, serious issue about our relationships in the world as Christians. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, should Christians only marry Christians? Coming up, so what does it mean to not be bound together with unbelievers? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Should Christians Only Marry Christians? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. 
That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And Jonathan, this morning's subject is a very important subject, and it's a difficult one as well. And actually, you were inspired to write this because you got a couple emails on this subject. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I was supposed to mention that last segment, but uh, <laughs> thank you, sir. You're uh, welcome. Covering all the holes in my person there. Uh, it, yeah, actually, there were uh, a couple of listeners that had asked specifically if we would do a program on this particular subject because it was on their minds. Mm-hmm. And two very different places, different situations. And so when we hear from you, folks, as you're, as you're listening, about things that you want to hear about, it really makes an impact on us. And especially when we get – and those two came in with like in a week of each other. Obviously, it was the Lord's will. So, yeah, it's like the Lord's saying, you know, pay attention here. Pay attention. <laughs> there's, there's something that needs to be talked about. So, so yes. you're right. It, the inspiration came from you, the listeners, and we really do deeply appreciate your input on that. So, Jonathan, let's get started. Let's, get, let's start to take the scripture apart. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. We're just going to, uh, uh, well, let, let's read just this first phrase here. Do not be bound together with unbelievers. Okay, so here is the basis for the next lesson that the Apostle is going to teach. That simple statement is the, the tip of the iceberg, if you will, and he's going to be teaching a big, big lesson. This particular phrase, do not be bound together with unbelievers, is actually divided into three pieces. It's the do not be, then the bound together, and then with unbelievers. Uh, and so... These verses are not entirely, and this, this is interesting, because a lot of times we see this in the King James Version, the words are, be not, be not unequally yoked mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, with unbelievers. Right. And we typically look at that and says, oh, that's talking about marriage. True. And it is talking about marriage. But that's not all it's talking about. So There's a bigger picture. Yes, there's a much, much okay. bigger picture. Yes, marriage is an important part of this verse, mm-hmm. but it's not the end all. Of this verse, okay. So I think that's an important aspect of this as we go through here. Uh, there's a bigger point, and the apostle is starting with the. And, and, and let me tell you the way I understand these verses unfolding. He's starting with the most important relationships in your life, as like the tip of a pyramid, if you will. Okay. And he's going to go through several things, and the the pyramid is going to get wider. Broader as we go. Because the next level and the level after that and the level after that is going to include more and more and more of the people that are around you. In your relationship to them. Right. So it really is going to include your relationship with the entire world by the time we're done. Okay. Okay, That's pretty broad. Right. But it starts here with the most intimate relationships of our lives. So the first piece, do not be or be ye not unequally yoked. It says be ye not unequally yoked in the, in, in the King James Version. It says do not be uh, unequal, um, bound together in the New American Standard Version, the, the version we typically read from. So this phrase, Jonathan, be ye not from the King James Version. It's a very similar statement to other statements that the Apostle Paul made and used in several places. And folks, go to the bonus material on this and seek your rewind. If you don't subscribe to Seek Your Rewind, do so. Go to ChristianQuestions.com. Subscribe now. How much does it cost? It's a free service, Rick. And no obligation. And it takes the program, lays it out scripturally for you. And we always have bonus material, things we could not cover because we just don't have time. It lists out all of the, the times that the apostle uses this phrase, be ye not, these very specific Greek words. Mm-hmm. So we're going to give you two examples here. Romans 11.1. I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid. 
for I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. So, in that verse, I didn't hear, be ye not. No, Rick, we read the words, God forbid, which are the same Greek words. Right. Uh, which is very interesting. Yeah, that's a pretty powerful statement. Oh, it is. <laughs> okay. Romans six five six fifteen. I'm sorry. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. So, again, you have that phrase, God forbid, in the King James Version, appears many times in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. It's the same words as be ye not. Now, the, 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 it should not literally be translated God forbid. That's not a good literal translation. Um, as a matter of fact, I spoke with uh, someone who's somewhat of a Greek scholar about this mm-hmm. because I wanted to know what does it actually mean? And his response, and this is in Seeker Rewind, the full edition bonus material, his response on this was that the emphasis is on not, but it's not God forbid, but he's saying don't do this. <laughs> not. <laughs> yeah, right, right. The, the today phrase. <laughs> so, so, so it really gives you a strong sense of guidance and direction here, very specific and very particular. So when it says, do not be, it's, it's really saying, you know, caution, danger, Will Robinson. Warning, warning. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what this is saying, and it's saying it in a very serious way. Okay, I mean, we can, we, can, we can laugh a little bit here and there, but it's a very, very, very serious admonition here. And it depends if you're a fan or a follower. Right. Right. As to how you apply it in it, your life. Exactly. It really does. So, folks, that's why you've got to understand, where do I stand in order to understand how does the scripture apply to me? Because this is talking to true followers of Christ. So, do not be, the next phrase in this scripture, 2 Corinthians 6.14, is bound together. Mm-hmm. In the King James Version, it says, unequally yoked together. Right. Okay? And so the the word for bound or unequally yoked is what? To yoke up differently, to associate discordantly, um, and unequally yoked together with. Okay, so to yoke up differently. Now, when you think about a yoke, and I'm not talking about an egg, okay? You're talking about a farming tool. Right. A yoke where you you would yoke two oxen together. Right, to pull the plow. Right. Mm -hmm. So, to be yoked up differently is to imply that you're using the yoke in a way it wasn't designed to be used. Ah, okay. That's why it says to associate discordantly. Because there's some kind of misfit, if you will, in that yoking up process. Yeah, if you had a different animal side by side, it'd be a different height. It, it would put strain. It, it wouldn't work right, well. Right. I mean, it might work, but it'll stumble along. Right, and it's not good for the animals. No. Okay, and, and, you know, and that, that's an important thing because in the Old Testament, there are many scriptures that tell the Jewish nation that you shouldn't do that. Mm-hmm, you, mm-hmm. you shouldn't put two, two different strengths and kinds of animals together into a yoke uh, because, and God makes it, you know, an abomination to do that for, for the, the physical law. But the idea is don't join two things together that don't really belong. And now this is, now talking about our highest level of intimacy in our relationships. So marriage is absolutely a part of this. Sure. Okay, so that's part of, so do not be. Not, as you said, <laughs> discordantly joined together. Um, the root word for, uh, for yoke here is always tied to a committed relationship, meaning that there are two parties that requires effort. John fifteen nineteen gives us an example of the kind of thing we're talking about. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. 
But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. So again, Jesus in John 15, remember we read from John 17. So this whole section in John, just before he's crucified, he's focusing his followers on the fact that you're different. You're different. You're different. So the question we need to ask ourselves is, to whom or to what am I tied in uh, into in a committed relationship that requires effort? That's what it means to be yoked together. And marriage is the most important committed relationship that requires effort yes okay so except for your dedication to the lord right which is the highest form of your relationship right. spiritually right. exactly and that overrides everything yes. else in our lives yes. if we are followers not necessarily fans but if we're followers of christ so if you answer this question about to whom or what am i committed to in a relationship that requires effort if you answer a question at this point in our discussion with real true integrity the rest of the discussion is going to serve as a revealing process toward understanding our own personal efforts toward sanctification, toward being set apart. For holy service. Right, because mm-hmm. that's the point of the life of a true follower of Christ. Yes. Follower, not, not a fan. Not necessarily a fan. Right, gotcha. right. So we want to keep making that. So it says, do not be, do not be uh, discordantly associated with unbelievers. Now, unbeliever means without disbelieving, right? Disbelieving, that's right. Okay. Now, it's interesting because the scriptures label different groups of individuals as unbelievers. Uh, Matthew seventeen seventeen is a good example. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. So, when Jesus is speaking here, he's t- who is he talking to? Well, it's a Jewish audience. Right. So he's saying, oh, faithless, unbelieving, and perverse generation. So he's actually calling that generation whom he's speaking to unbelievers. Yes, he is. But they were still of the Jewish faith. Right. So that's interesting. It is, it is. Because we typically think of unbelievers in a different way. And 1 Corinthians 6.6 6 will tell us the way we, we normally see it. But brother goeth to law with brother. And that before the unbelievers. And the unbelievers there would be those of pagan origin, for instance. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you have two different categories of unbelievers. The point is that belief is really focused on what, for us as Christians, the true gospel. Mm-hmm. Okay, yes. just, just the purity of the gospel as best as we can get it. But you can see that you can still have those within the, the Jewish nation. There were some, some that were considered unbelievers, even though they carried the label of being the chosen people of God. And that could, can also be in Christianity, it can It certainly can. Those that carry the label, fans, right, but are not truly, truly following with every fiber of their 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 effort the the ways of 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 God through Christ. So, um let, let's take a, another minute here Jonathan and let's go to another soundbite. This is going back to uh uh Jefferson and Alyssa Bethke uh from their video uh should a Christian date a non-Christian. In, in in this segment they're talking about two different potential outcomes of of marrying somebody who is not of your your Christian faith. When you date someone who's not a, f- a follower of Jesus, only one of two things happens. The first one is, um, 
you know, you put God at the center, and then and then they're always on the outskirts. The person you're dating is always on the outskirts, and you feel like that's separating because you're trying to get closer to God, and they and they, and they can't understand that, so you drift. Or he says, or you put the person at the center of your relationship, and then God's on the outskirts because they don't share that. And when you have decisions, on it makes you drift apart from God. Um, it's only when you both are followers of Jesus can you really put all of you guys at the middle, including Jesus, and say, hey, we're on a journey. We're on this together. And so that's what I would say. And the last thing I would say, too, is don't get caught up in, even on top of that, whether he says he's a Christian, really look for a disciple of Jesus. You know, he talks faster than I do. <laughs> <laughs> Jules here, she's, she helps with the rewinds, and she goes, yeah, he does. <laughs> You're bad enough. <laughs> but, you know, what he's saying, Jonathan, is that there's, there's a basic premise here. And, and, you know, it's a generalization. He's speaking sure. in general terms. But it's an important general premise. If, if, we are, if we are joining with an unbeliever, whatever category that might be, mm-hmm. uh, especially in marriage. You know, and dating is supposed to lead to marriage from a Christian perspective. Sure. You know, back in those days, back in the days of the New Testament, there was no dating. Okay, <laughs> let's understand that as well. All right? But here, you know, we're supposed to see things for, for what they are. And if we are attaching ourselves to someone who does not have our faith, what we're doing is we're attaching ourselves to something that, by definition, is away from the center of what a, a, a life of sacrifice is supposed to be. And Christianity is hard enough in following after yes, Jesus to really put other things in the way to, to hinder it or to hurt it or slow it down, our growth. Right. And, and, and so why, the, the question is, why, why would we put ourselves in that position? And the scripture is being very, very firm here. You know, mm-hmm. do not be yoked together. With unbelievers, in other words, you, you you hit it right on the head. Christianity, in its truest form, is really a hard job. Yeah, let's focus on doing that hard job the best way and possible. We, we do know, Rick, there are no guarantees in right. life. Just because, even, even when you do the right, right things, right. So, just because you marry a another dedicated Christian doesn't mean you live happily ever after, right? You right. Know, and and because you're still two human beings, exactly. So, there's a whole lot to this. We have. At the end of each segment, Jonathan, we're going to have a BE separate lesson. So our lesson is going to be focused on Proverbs 24, 23 through 27. Again, we're going to take that scripture in pieces as well. Watch over your heart with all diligence. This really covers the aspect of choice. We absolutely have a choice as to whom and what we bind our hearts to. Let it not come to be that we choose to bind ourselves to anyone who is not a follower of Christ. That's what this scripture is saying. Not just in marriage, though marriage I think is the most important part of this part of this text, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. in all things, let's not bind ourselves to, to, to things that are not nearly as important or, or not in, in the centerpiece of our lives. If Jesus is the center of our lives, then everything we should do should be through that centerpiece. And binding to an unbeliever simply is not going in that direction. So right. It's contradictory. There's a great quote here from Albert Einstein that fits into what you said about things not being perfect, even if you're both Christians. Men marry women with the hope they will never change. Women marry men with the hope they will change. Invariably, they will both be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, that's one of the things, you know, sometimes, and we're going to get into this as we go through the program further, sometimes we hope that something will change in them, they'll see the light, so to speak. Right, right. And that's just not the way to, to design a life that is fulfilling the will of Jesus, not your own. 
This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Should Christians Only Marry Christians? Coming up, continuing in 2 Corinthians, we read Partnership and Fellowship. Are these reserved only for Christians? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Should Christians Only Marry Christians? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-FOR-ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And don't forget, we have an app for your smartphone. Just go to your app store and type in Christian Questions, and it brings you to Christian Questions for everything we do. It's awesome. The Christian Questions universe is at your fingertips. And it's free. (laughs) So get the Christian Questions app for your smartphone. It's a really, really cool thing. So, Jonathan, as we continue this, we're looking at this scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. We're we're still in verse 14. We're breaking it down into pieces. And that first, the last segment was the first piece, the most important piece, the highest part of the pyramid, if you will. Like like the food pyramid? Mm -hmm. This is the relationship pyramid. (laughs) Okay. Okay, that's what this is. a good visual. And so that, that highest, most important, most intimate part, it says, do not be yoked together with those who are not of the same belief as you. Because we're going to find out, the, the because is going to, to come out as the scripture goes on, but the bottom line is, you, you really nailed it down. Being a, a, a footstep follower of Christ is a hard life. It's a dedicated, focused life. And we're supposed to be separate. Yes. That's what the scripture says. So those are the guidelines that we're given. So and and that's what makes this difficult. Now the next part of the scripture uh, is uh, what partnership and fellowship. Right. So let's read Second Corinthians six fourteen. Just the last part of that verse. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? All right. So now this is talking about partnership. This is different than being yoked together. You see, the yoke together is like you're you're you're, you're really stuck in there. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what marriage is. Bound together. Bound together. Partnership is a little bit broader, a little bit looser. Okay, what participation? Partnership actually means participation. Does righteousness have, uh, does, uh, which, which, which righteousness is a state of being made right with God. Uh, so what participation does being right with God have with lawlessness? And that word, Lawlessness, what is, it? what is that? Literally, illegality. Now, it doesn't mean that you, you're dealing with criminals. Right, no, of course not. But before God... If someone is not under the robe of the righteousness of Christ... They don't have a favor with God, then. So there's an illegality in their life because they're out of favor with God. So this is talking on a spiritual level. Gotcha. And that's why this is really for followers of Christ. Fans of Christ, it's a different different story. Yeah, but Rick, this in no way implies that non-believers are bad. No, no. It simply means they're not in favor with God. Okay. All All right? right. Very good. So, look, there's a lot of... And and let let me make this... I'm glad you brought that up, this disclaimer. There's a lot of very wonderful people in this world that are not Christian, that are atheist or agnostic. Mm-hmm. I know some, mm-hmm. and they're great, great, great people. They're not bad people, but they're not in God's favor through Christ. Mm-hmm. That's the distinction that's being made here. Jonathan, let's um, go to the phones. All right. Well, we have David from Indiana. Good morning, David, and welcome to Christian Questions. Yes, good morning. Uh, the doggone you guys. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, you know, when you're unevenly yoked, uh, that that's how the, the, the Israelis ended up with the idols in their tents you know, uh, marrying outside of uh, the Jewish faith. David, are you on a speakerphone? I'm trying to correct that right as we speak. Okay, yeah, because we've got an uh, echo coming in. Give me one second here. You still there? There's a lesson you can always unplug from technology. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead, much better. Uh, yeah, but yeah, it, it's... It's right there, uh, you know, with God, God being just, and from that justice is where the concept of fairness comes from. What what we think is right, our, our, our love and stuff, and our fairness, what's fair or not, that's, you know, that's, that's not God's way. Our fairness is not God's way. He has his own fairness, his own rules, and we prosper when we follow him, and uh, we don't prosper when we don't, and, it, and it's all about making it easier for us yeah yeah ultimately what his his guidelines for us as true christians is is to make our lives easier to be able to do the things that are most important you're right and receive his blessings exactly okay well thank you david you betcha in a good thought, and he actually brought us back to Israel. He said, "You know, Israel got into a lot of trouble." Oh, they did by by accepting the the uh, the paganism around them into their lives, and that's why so much of the Old Testament was is the, the Jewish law specifically was built around them being so separate. And look what happened to Solomon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk about a life gone bad. But in, in the end of his life, he learned the true lesson, vanity, vanity. All is vanity. All is vanity. Yeah, yeah. And, and he, was, he started out so strong and he so did. wise. He did. So, so you know, Dave, thanks. We appreciate your, your, your thoughts on this. And, folks, again, if you have a thought, we'd love to hear from you at 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. And that means we're on right now. And don't forget to tweet us at CQNet Radio. David brought us to the Old Testament. We had a scripture we're going to go to anyway, Deuteronomy 22, 9 and 10. You shall not sow your vineyard with two kinds of seed, or all the produce of the seed which you have sown, and the increase of your vineyard will become defiled. You shall not plow with an ox and with a donkey together. See, now, an ox and a donkey, they're different size, they're different strength, they're different temperament. Once a, one is a clean animal, the other is an unclean animal, according to, to Jewish law. Mm-hmm. Israel was plainly taught that separation was a mainstay of their culture and within their culture. So they could focus on God. Right. Now, the interesting thing, you know, look, if you, if folks, and, you know, you'd have to see a picture of this, but if you stood me next to Fred, okay, I mean... Fred behind the board. Yeah, Fred's about, you know, 17 feet taller than I am. <laughs> <laughs> and you tried to put the two of us in a yoke to get a job done. We could probably get the job done. No, I could see your feet moving while he's <laughs> carrying you in the yoke. Okay, it's not that bad. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> but the point is we could get the job done, but it would be hard, it would be difficult, and it's not designed. It's not according to the design. So, you know, when we look at this whole subject matter of, of, of dealing with, with the, 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 the people of the world and so forth, yes, there are times where we, we are involved, but the point is with the most intimate and strongest relationships, are we going to choose the guidelines that God gives us or are we going to just choose our own? Well, you know, we can get it done anyway. 
see careful uh, right am i going to be a fan in this area of my life or am i going to be a follower in this area of my life that's really what it comes down to so 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 far jonathan we have two levels of togetherness we're talking about the first was the yoke right mm-hmm. that's right fastened together in a long-term or permanent relationship and the second is what? partnership agreement of and in action so there's a difference between the two but again you have the the tip of the pyramid the most concentrated relationship and now partnership the second most concentrated kind of relationship mentioned in this what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness our be separate lesson again we go back to proverbs 4 23 to 27 just one small part of that verse for from it Flow the springs of life. Remember it said, keep your heart with all diligence, Mm -hmm. for from it flow the spring of of life. From the chosen allegiances, now folks, listen carefully to this. From the chosen allegiances uh, of our hearts will flow the truest destiny of our lives. You've got to get your arms around that. From our chosen allegiances that our hearts bring us to will flow the truest destiny of our lives. Once we are touched by the beauty of God's plan... Our ability to choose, our free moral agency is given authority over to what we ultimately do with it. So God gives us the ability to choose. Mm-hmm. He, he doesn't. He when does. you become a Christian, that's not taken away from you. You're right. But it is put on trial. Ah. Uh, so, we're judged right, based on that. We are. We all are. And again, this is a mirror lesson. So I got to be looking in the mirror when I say this. You know, I am judged based on the choices that I make and vice versa for you and for, mm-hmm. for all those listening. Sure. So we've got the, un, the, the yoking together. We've got partnership. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, at the end of that verse, there is another level, the next level down on the relationship pyramid. Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Fellowship. What does fellowship mean? Partnership, literally, particularly, or social intercourse f- or financial benefaction. So there is a there is a uh, um, an interchange here that's not quite on the same level as the previous partnership, and certainly not on the same level as that being yoked together. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. but he's saying what fellowship, what what uh, what commonality does light have with darkness? So now here's the big question. What constitutes light and darkness? That's a good question. Because what, are, we, are we saying that everybody's in, in the dark? <laughs> they're bad because they're dark? I mean, that. well, let's take a look. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 6 through 9. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be partakers with them, for you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. So here in that scripture in Ephesians, it helps to identify light and darkness. And yes. they're, they're clearly opposites. Yes. Now see, here's the, the really important point here, Jonathan, is that light is not simply good. That's not what light means here. It's not simply nice either. Right. Or simply even righteous. Good point. Uh, and honest from the context of this world. This is a spiritual light. That it's talking about. Mm-hmm. So it's not looking upon people who do good in the dark world in which we live and saying, well, they're bad. It's just saying they're not in the light. See, and again, the light is spiritual light. If you're a follower of Christ, not a fan. Not a fan, right, right. But if you're a follower, what we need to be doing is focusing on that spiritual light as our 
spiritual flashlight that we hold in our hands to find our way. Mm-hmm. Not the light of the world, but the light of spirituality. That's the flashlight we need to hold. Put the light of the world away because that's going to lead you down the wrong path. <laughs> Good point. Okay. So Isaiah 60 verses 1 to 3. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. See, now this, this light is God's light that we're talking about. For behold, darkness will cover the earth and deep darkness the peoples. But the Lord will rise upon you and his glory will appear upon you. See, now that's the glory of God through the light of God upon you. Nations will come to your light, and the kings to the brightness of your rising. Nations coming to the light. The light does, uh, does not and cannot mingle with darkness. It's spiritual light versus spiritual darkness, not just physical light. That's not what we're talking about here. Very, very, very different aspect of things. So when we say, what fellowship has light with darkness? Again, you can read that and on the surface, you know, you can say, boy, you're really being cruel to the people in the world. You're, you're telling them they're all, like in the previous section, lawless and dark. <laughs> you know? And that's not it. That's not it at all. Um, Wow, we're almost, oh gee, we're almost out of time. I didn't realize we were this far. Oh, quick. <laughs> okay, third level of togetherness, fellowship, agreement, and principle. Our be ye separate lesson, Proverbs 3. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put devious speech far from you. What our hearts want, Jonathan, our hearts will try to get. When our desires and allegiances are outside the realm of God's light, we rationalize. We explain away true spiritual righteousness and co-opt in the darkness that covers the world. If we observe what we're rationalizing, we will observe where our heart is. And that, again, is a pointed and powerful lesson in the relationships of our lives. Fellowship, Jonathan, does, you know, we're not talking about marriage specifically here. We're talking about fellowship. We're, we're talking about getting together with people and, and sharing commonalities. In, in, a, in a very personal kind of a way. In Christ. Right. And, and you can't share your commonality in Christ with those who don't follow Christ. It just doesn't, it doesn't fit. So these scriptures are really focusing us on how we as true followers of Christ need to live our lives in relation to the world around us. Folks, in the second hour, we obviously have much, much more to go. There's much more left on the relationship pyramid that needs discussing to help us understand how we fit into the world around us while not being of the world around us. For Jonathan and Rick and Christian Questions, we'll be back after the news and all of that. But till then, should Christians only marry Christians? Where do you stand? What do you think? We'll be back soon. Till then, think about it. is Christian Questions. From the website livehappy.com, it says, Being called different is like being called limited edition, meaning you're something people don't see that often. Remember that. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Christian Questions Talk Radio with your breakfast with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience, and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. 
This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And Jonathan, we've got a really serious and important subject on the table this morning. We really do, Rick. And our question this morning is, should Christians only marry Christians? And our theme text is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? So we're going through that whole section in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 11 through 18, and taking these scriptures apart because what they do is they give us a, a, a spiritual um, relationship pyramid if you will, in terms of how we deal with those around us. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the tip of the pyramid, the tip of the iceberg, the most important part is those most intimate relationships of our lives, and marriage is included in Absolutely that. Absolutely. It, it says, is. do not be unequally yoked together. And then you have the next level is that of partnership. And it says, you know, what, what, uh, what um, partnership and illegality, I don't remember the exact words, there, there's no, there's no uh, um, connection between the two. And then the third level was fellowship. Partnership is a little bit more intimate than fellowship. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you can see that we're getting into broader areas of our Christian lives. And again, we're talking about Christianity. We're talking about being true followers of Christ. And we made the point several times in the first uh, hour, Jonathan, that there's a difference. You know, there's two basic categories. That's right. The first would be, are you a true follower or are you just a fan of Christ? And it's good to be a fan. That's good. Yeah. But, but, you know, these this this kind of scripture is really, really focused on the true heartfelt followers of Jesus. And that's what we want to speak to today. And, you know, we haven't addressed the question and we will address it uh, later on in the program. But what if, you know, we're saying, you know, look, according to the scripture, you really don't, you shouldn't be, you know, unequally yoked with unbelievers. Mm -hmm. What if you are? What do you do? What do we do? What do we think? That's coming. We're definitely going to take some time on that. Not yet. But we're going to take some time on that because that look. This is the, this is the real world, mm-hmm. and everybody makes choices, and sometimes we make choices that are, are less than ideal. Yeah, I'm sure you've made a couple of those, <laughs> maybe, maybe one or two in your life. <laughs> funny, Rick. Yeah. Funny. Many. Oh, no, I was going to say none. Wow, <laughs> funny. Yeah, as, many, many. as if high, and and so. We're going to be getting into that as we go through the program. But um, let our next section of Scripture, Jonathan, 2 Corinthians 6, now we're going to start with verse 15. Or what harmony has Christ with Baal? Okay, so harmony. Th- I love this word for harmony. What does it mean? Wh- or what does it come from? Or what does it mean? Or just tell me something about well, it. Well, it means accordance. And w- I know it's. I'm, I'm going to ask you to try and pronounce the... Oh, no, you're not. not? <laughs> you do it. <laughs> All right, I'll try and pronounce the Greek word because this is, gr- this is a great word. The, the Greek word is pronounced something like symphoneus. What does that sound like? Symphony. Symphony. That's where we get our word symphony from. So what harmony has Christ with Belial? What is this Belial thing? Who, who is it or what is it? Well, uh, Poole tells us the term is used only in the place in the New Testament, but very often in the Old Testament, to express men notoriously wicked and scandalous. So, again, there is no... There's a lot of evil there. Yeah, there is. There's a lot of evil there. What harmony have those... um, Have we, as those under Christ, with the world, as those under Satan's rule? Uh, Are you in tune with or not? Right. 
and that's a, again, it's it, it's the the word is very musical. So let's yes. take the music, the musical analogy, and 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 fit it in. Are we in tune with those under Satan's rule, or do we have? Are we singing a different song? The the fact that of our being under Christ defines our being in the world and not of it. Again, in the world, but not of it, and are following a spiritual ruler of righteousness, not an earthly ruler of righteousness or a a form of righteousness Mm -hmm. because again spiritual righteousness is different it is okay ours is a spiritual symphony i like that that's what followers of christ should be involved with is creating the spiritual symphony and that's why the yoking together at the top of the pyramid was so important because that's a basis for our ability to be part of this spiritual symphony. Well, Rick, let's go to the phones. We have Julius from Connecticut. Good morning, Julius, and welcome to Christian Questions. Gentlemen, good morning. Good morning. You just reminded me uh, uh, years ago, uh, many years ago, there was uh, lyrics in that song, Love is a symphony of beautiful harmony, something along that line. But anyway, primarily, I want to thank you for the, for the Bible study. and. I recall Hebrews 6.10, God is not unrighteous. He is not unrighteous to forget your labor of love. Thank you. Uh, the answer to your question, yes. Christians should be equally yoked. <laughs> and, uh, I, you know, uh, uh, just quickly here, I recall uh, that the wife and I, my wife and I, she passed away last April, as you might have heard. Uh, we had been married 58 years. Wow. And uh, you remember uh, Paul Harvey, once, he would announce once in a while, uh, so may- maybe often, Mr. and Mrs. Smith in Nebraska have been married 70 years. Right. Remember that? Right, right. Yeah. Now, he did a book, you know, he wrote a book. He did a research on uh, marriage. And uh, very fascinating to me what he said. His conclusion on the uh, ingredients for a successful marriage God, and a good sense of humor. Huh, there you go. Thank you. God bless. Thank you, Joyce. Appreciate your call. Okay, bye-bye. Take care. And, you know, and, and there, there's something to be said for that. And, and you know, and, and of course, we'll be dealing with marriage specifically in a few weeks. Um, but, uh, Julius, thanks so much. And, and Hebrews, um, scripture on, you know, labors of love. And, and look, following after Christ is a labor of love. Oh, yes. For whomever is doing it. And we need to be within the context of what's laid out for us to really, really put ourselves in a position to get the best benefit. Rick, what I love about this subject today, should Christians only marry Christians, is this topic was inspired from one of our listeners, actually two of our yes. listeners that sent you emails. Yes, and they asked about it and said, you know, if you haven't, would you please do a program on this particular subject? So I'm glad you brought that up because it's an important aspect of the program. We really try hard to respond to what it, the things that are on your minds. Yes. So folks, you can email us, you can, you need lots of ways, you can send us messages on Facebook, you can email us at rick at christianquestions.net or send a message in through, through the website and uh, we'll, we'll get them all and we really do love hearing from you especially with things, with suggestions on, on what and, and, and uh, how to go about preparing future programming. 1 Corinthians 10, 20-22, Jonathan, on this What Harmony Has Christ With Belial? No, but what I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. 
and I do not want you to become sharers in demons. So now sacrifice. To sacrifice is to show allegiance. This is an important point uh, in terms of separating ourselves. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. See, now again, the Old Testament principle of choose. You know, with Elijah, remember when Elijah was going to stand up against the prophets of Baal? Yes, yes. And, and he says to Israel, choose the, you know, don't be limping between two two. Uh, sides choose this day whom you will serve Mm -hmm. you know we can't go on in our lives not committed for me and my house i will serve the lord right see we have to be committed to following after that higher spiritual level continuing or do we provoke the lord to jealousy we are not stronger than he are we so again this scripture is about being half-hearted God will not have us halfway. Remember the, the the church of Laodicea in Revelation? Yeah, be hot, not cold. And the warning was, don't be lukewarm. Right, don't be in the middle. Right. Choose a side. Right. Just make that choice. So, Jonathan, as we talk about you know being firmly in, uh, ensconced in, in, in following after Christ with every aspect of our lives, now this next soundbite is going to challenge directly you, Jonathan. <gasps> That's right. Really? That's right. And me. Uh-oh. Okay? Uh, we, we skipped a soundbite because we ran out of time in our last segment from this guy, Robert uh, Light. We got this on YouTube. And his whole premise for this, this video was why Christians cannot follow sports. And his basic premise was if you're a Christian, following sports is just, is just the wrong thing to do. Okay, now, you like sports, right? I love football. Okay, well, we're going to get into that. So, <laughs> so as you listen to this next soundbite, folks, the question you have to ask yourselves is, does the following soundbite mean that Jonathan and Rick are in trouble? Let's listen. You see, dear friends, when we don't have the cross in us, and when we're not following Jesus, and we're just claiming his name, but we don't know him, the world's interest isn't going to be crucified in us, and we're still going to be following the world in its way. That's why I sincerely warn you today as a Christian who is, hasn't had this desire crucified in them yet. I warn you, come out of your path. You are not right before God. If you're just interested in the sport and the latest uh, scoreboard, you don't have the cross in you and you're not on your way to the kingdom of God. That's a pretty strong statement. <laughs> it is. Because I tell you, if I, if I had my wife in here, she's, a, she's our call screener, if I brought her in, the first thing I said to her when we got up and got in the car this morning is, i got to find out who won the game last night. <laughs> I had to this morning also, because I didn't want to stay up and watch That's it, because right. I was, was doing was, the program. It was too late. Exactly. But I wanted to know. So, I mean, does, he makes this very, very strong statement, uh, and incidentally, Seattle won the late game. Yes, they did. So, uh, and I didn't actually get the score, but as long as I heard who won, I was content, and then I could just turn the thing off and get back to thinking about important things. Mm-hmm. But he makes this statement that you know, if you're following, you're interested in the sports scores, even that you you know your heart is not attached to Christ. Now, I, look, I know you're you're a, you're a diehard Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Oh yeah. So how do you harmonize that with this idea? I mean, we've been preaching this morning, Jonathan, very strongly. That, you know, it, it's all about following after Christ and molding yourself and making sure you don't have these attachments. And yet, you, you, you just admitted to thousands upon thousands of people that you are a diehard Pittsburgh Steelers That's right. fan. And here in Connecticut, you can't watch them because they don't put them on local TV. Yeah. So I, I had to get direct TV just to see them. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I can see them every week that they play. Oh, but, but, okay. but 
if the Lord presents something before me that is spiritual or my brethren or my spouse or family needs something, I turn the TV off. We go do the most important thing. I won't allow that to interfere with serving the Lord when it's presented to me. Okay. Uh, so, anyway, that's how I go about it. So, so for you then, your, your diehard fandomness, <laughs> I don't think that's a word. <laughs> Try to put that in the rewind and see how it works. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, uh, it, what you're saying is, it is, if I'm understanding you, it's recreation, yes. not a way of life. Yes. And now you are a huge Yankees fan. Oh, absolutely. I, 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 I love the Yankees. I've loved them since I was a little kid. And, uh, you know, there's a difference between football and baseball because baseball, you know, it's 162 games in a baseball season. That's crazy. Yes, it is. And, you know, if you were to watch, if I were to watch every game of that season, I, I, I wouldn't get anything done. <laughs> so I have a rule. I have a rule that uh, personal for me, because I do, I do love baseball. I love the strategy of it. I love, my t- you know, all of that stuff that I will not allow myself to watch an entire game throughout the whole season. I won't, oh, wow. I just won't do it because I could easily be sucked into it. I'll watch a few innings of some games. Mm-hmm. I'll mm-hmm. listen to a little bit here or there, but I will not watch an entire game. But I like the the fact that once a year you do something very special, though, don't you? Yeah, my family, my daughters, every year buy us tickets to go to see a Yankees game. And we go as a family, and it is always, every, it's just one of the greatest days, family days. So for me, it's recreation. It's, it's something that doesn't dominate my life, but I truly enjoy it. And I think for us, that's the principle that we have to, have to put in place. Are you going to be driven by it? Or is it something that you just enjoy? It's like eating a chocolate bar. Once it's done, it's over. And then you move on to the next thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Although I would like another chocolate bar. (laughs) (laughs) So, folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. We're way behind on this segment. Our BE separate uh, our, our, our fourth level of, of togetherness is harmony, playing the same piece of music in the same orchestra. Our B separate lesson is from Proverbs 4. Let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. See, now that really fits the imagery of the symphony. If, you, if you're members of a symphony, we have to do two things. What's the first one? We must know our part and play our part. There is no room for adding our home music. Okay, because you're following the conductor. That's right. Secondly, we must always be focused on the conductor for our direction in tempo, volume, and unity. Our truest heart allegiance demands a consistent, our consistent focus and attention. Enunciate, Rick. Enunciate. Enunciate. Our <laughs> consistent focus and no, attention. No, in singing. When you're singing, oh, oh, that uh, is one of the things that the director... They need to understand your words. Enunciate. And my dad's a music choir director. So when you see, when they when we sing, they tell me, be quiet, be quiet. <laughs> but they tell you to enunciate. I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> it's got to be a clear message, yes. I think, is what and I think that's the point. That. So, Jonathan, we're running a little bit behind on time here. Very quickly, the fifth point here in 2 Corinthians 6.15. Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Okay, so in common. So what do we share with those who are not believers? Um, and the what, what we want to do is understand that the commonality mentioned here, and we won't read it, but Luke 10.42 says, the commonality mentioned here is along the idea of, of being under the same overall objective. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we don't have a lot of the same overall objective with unbelievers. Now look, when you're working at your job, you do. Sure. But your life 
your job is 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 to support your life. Your li- your 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 life is not to support your job. I like that. You're right. So we have to choose where when we have this 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 commonality and what is it? And, and the answer is there's not a lot of it. Together with those who don't believe the way that we do. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject is should Christians only marry Christians? Coming up. Okay, we are different than the world. Can't we still just all get along? <laughs> That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Should Christians Only Marry Christians? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And don't forget to sign up for CQ Rewind, the full edition. So, Jonathan, as we continue developing this subject, it's a very important subject. It's obviously very detailed uh, in, in all the things we're talking about. We're on the fifth point of, of this, this relationship pyramid that the Apostle lays out in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And that fifth point that we began with uh, um, in the, last, the end of the last segment, what has an unbeliever in common, or what has a believer in common with unbelievers? Uh, one, one other scripture on that point before we get to our B separate lesson. Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. An ambassador is from another country. The only opportunity for a believer and an unbeliever to play assigned roles is outside of the headship of Christ, which must happen in our lives. So the question is, is that where we live? Is that where we want to live? Do we want to live outside of the headship of Christ, or do we visit there when we have to visit there? We want to live in exactly the life of God So Christ. The fifth level of togetherness is common ground, the interlocking principles upon which we stand. And again, folks, what are the principles that drive you? Where do you live? Are you making Christianity fit into your life, or are you fitting your life into the footsteps of Jesus? Are you a fan? Or a follower. I mean, it really does come down to that. Our BE separate lesson, again, Proverbs chapter 4. Watch the path of your feet, and all your ways will be established. As we must walk a path in this world, and we do have to walk a path in this world, we must be sure that we do not become attached to the, or attracted rather, to the things and the people of this world to a point where they become a significant focus rather than Christ. Pittsburgh Steelers included. Sure. Okay. Yankees included. <laughs> That's right. So how can we measure this? You know, how can we measure if we're getting into a danger zone where our, our attractions are getting to a point of replacement? Well, a pointed answer to that would be, how much focus are we giving the world and the, the, um, and that is necessary for our sustenance? you know, to, to support us, versus how much focus are we giving uh, that is voluntary for our happiness and pleasure? This is, uh, there. there's a saying that says, he who chases two rabbits catches none, mm-hmm. and we can't have one foot in each. Is our primary joy coming through our Christian walk? And folks, it really should be. It should. And, you know, you had mentioned that to me earlier in the, before we started the program, you know, we were talking about joy and happiness, and where, where did you say you got some of your greatest joy and happiness How about from? doing the radio program? <laughs> How about that? Going to Bible conferences. You know, 
things, spiritual things. That's where we need to have our clear focus. And that's what this relationship pyramid is telling us for our Christian lives. Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. And that means we're on right now. Out from the dark ages and into the light of today, join us 24-7 at ChristianQuestions.com. Okay. So we've gone through these five points uh, on on our uh, relationship pyramid being yoked together. That's the most intimate relationships. But but how about this question? But what if you did marry someone and you're not equally yoked? Okay, so what if you made that choice? Yeah. Outside of what the scripture is saying, what you've made the choice. Now right. what do you do? Right. How do you handle it? How do those of uh, of us around you handle it? What the what is the proper attitude? That's coming up very soon. We're going to be talking about that in, in very, very great detail. That's an important, important question. So we've got the being equally yoked, having partnership, having fellowship, having harmony. And then this last section was what commonality or common ground do you have with unbelievers? Now let's go to the sixth uh, area of relationships. And this is the last area that, that the apostle defines in Second Corinthians chapter 6. Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? And w- the word agreement, what does it mean? It's a simple thing. In company with, accord with. Okay, so wh- where is a, a general sense of, of general purpose of living our lives together? I, I, what, is there an agreement there? And really, our There li- should be. <laughs> there should, you know, we should have a higher sense than the people around us. We should. I mean, if you're a follower of Christ, we should. Let's go to um, just another quick soundbite. This is uh, number five, right? We're, we're set up there. This is a, uh, a Jefferson and Alyssa Bethke again uh, on should a Christian date a non-Christian. And they talk about the concept of Christianity and what it means. And th- this is really good. Some people think, especially younger people, that like Christianity or Jesus is like a slice of their pie. Um, rather than the fact that, you know, if you're a Christian, that's who you are. It's the whole pie, right? It's the whole thing. Um, it's it's the whole thing. And because it's not just, oh, you raised your hand and signed a card. But according to scripture, you became this new creation. The world completely kind of restructured itself around the resurrection of Jesus. And we're adopted into that family. Like That's a cosmic shaking level thing where something big happened. And so... Cosmic shaking level thing, <laughs> you know. And, and you know, he mentioned he mentioned something a denominational thing about you know signing a card and raising your hand to accept Christ. Now, you know, we don't follow that particular pattern. No. But the point is, he's saying that being a Christian is not just because you said you're a Christian, a fan, right? He said it's being a Christian. It is not a slice of pie in your life. It's the pie. That's right. That's where your life has gone. That's what your life has become. So, in this, in this sixth point, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? What agreement has the temple? A temple. A temple. What happens in a temple? Well, it's um, those that believe any religion uh, includes paganism. It's a place, a sacred meaning and place of worship. So, it's a place where religion is. Sure. So, what agreement has the temple of God with idols. Where is the temple of God that the apostle references? I mean, don't you want to go there? Isn't it? It sounds like, a, wow, you, know, you want to be there because well, that's where true that's, spirituality is. That's where the is. place, yeah, that's where okay. you should be. So Paul's answer 
actually is in the next phrase of Second Corinthians. Which but, is an interesting answer. Yeah, but he also mentions that in First Corinthians chapter 6. So let's go to First Corinthians verse before we go back to Second Corinthians. First Corinthians six nineteen and 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, which you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. So the admonition here is very clear. I am not my own. I must therefore be and do only what is in accord, in agreement with being set apart, being sanctified. Mm -hmm. Set apart for a holy purpose. That's what being a temple is. This is what... um, I, this is what I was bought for. The, the purpose of becoming a Christian is to give up your will to the, do the will of God through Christ. That's right. That's the purpose. So I must, therefore, sanctify myself. Again, sanctify, set myself apart. For holy service. Right, because that's what I promised to do. So as we go down this, this, this relationship pyramid, the basic bottom line is what agreement... What company is there between the temple of God and idols? And if you are a true, true, true follower of Christ, then you are the temple of the Spirit of God. What agreement would we have with an idolatrous world? Right. None. We shouldn't. Right. Now, can we get along in that world? Well, I would hope so. Oh. Jesus did. <laughs> exactly. Ex- the apostles did. Yes, they did. So how did they do it? Therefore, how should we do it? Follow their pattern. And we can make up our own pattern if we want to. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not necessarily a very good thing. Um, so, example, you know, there, there are lots of good, wholesome people trying to save the world. You yes, know, there are. And, you know, isn't that what we want? We want the world saved, right? Absolutely. Okay. But we know that the only way to save it is to go through Armageddon and the Day of Judgment. Right. Okay. So, our process... And our hope are therefore contrary to those who are trying to preserve what is. Right now. Right. Which Satan is the prince of this world. They're trying right. to hold on to that. Right. So we're simply not on the same page, no. although we want the same ultimate yes. end result. Yes. We just see it as a different pattern because that's the way the scriptures line it up for us. Absolutely. So, you know, it is interesting that during the program, Dave from Indiana actually called back. Um, you know, and was talking to the call screener, and uh, you know, mentioned an- another point about plowing together. Yeah, I like that. You know, he said if you if you mix two different kinds of animals, you're going to plow a crooked line. Right, it won't be straight. Right, because they're not equally strong. Right, and and that is not the the object is to get the field to yield the absolute maximum that it can. Yes, the most efficient way that it can, mm-hmm. and the way to do that is to be equally yoked. The straight line. Right. The narrow way. That's what you want. So our sixth level of togetherness is accord. Uh, Not the car. (laughs) The general purpose for living our lives. The general purpose for living our lives. We are out of accord with the world around us, but we are in accord with the will of God through Christ. So, folks, this is a tough lesson because it's really telling us how different we're supposed to be. Not just in that most intimate relationship of marriage. Marriage, yeah. But throughout all the different levels of our lives, there should be a massive difference. Yeah, a priority to spirituality. Right, right. And it doesn't mean that you can't have involvement in the things of this world. Sure. But you can't be involved in the things of this world. We have jobs, we have families, you know, parents raising children. We we have so much going on, but it needs to be in accord 
with right. God's way. And it needs to be in the context of, of honoring God. Mm-hmm. You know, last week we played a soundbite from the skit guys and said something about make, making God famous in your life. Mm-hmm. And that's really what this, this is all about here, is, is are all of our dealings with the world around us making God famous? Or are they making somebody else or something else famous? Interesting. So, I like that. so, so our 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 be separate lesson again from Proverbs chapter four. Do not turn to the right nor to the left. Okay. So again, keeping your your head forward. You know, we just talked about that in terms of being in a symphony mm-hmm. and following the conductor. Keeping our heart with all diligence really blossoms in this part of the Proverbs four scripture. For if our heart is set, then our mind can be set, which can set our path which can keep us from turning aside. Move forward, always, always, always move forward. And, and the key, Jonathan, is our heart. That's this, these, these BE separate lessons are all built around keep your heart with all diligence. Because if we get the heart right, everything else is so much easier to put in place. And sometimes you have to make hard decisions. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it doesn't... It doesn't we're not minimizing the difficulty of those decisions. What we're saying is, according to Scripture, we have very clear and specific guidelines as to what we should be basing those decisions on. Not what we want, but how we want to follow the will of God through Christ. Big difference between the two sometimes. Absolutely. So, to what and to whom do I focus my primary allegiances? Um, we must answer this one for ourselves. I can't look at you and say, well, Jonathan, let me tell you about where your primary allegiances are all <laughs> off. And I have no right, right to do that, nor should I have a desire to do that. And we can't read each other's hearts, right. can we? And again, nor should we try. Well, right. Let me see if I can figure out what's really going on in that. If I want to know, I should ask you. <laughs> Good question. <laughs> <laughs> Hello? Okay. Our answer has to be, you know, our primary allegiance has to be toward our Heavenly Father and His Son, Jesus. If not, if that's not it, then what are we focused on? So, so what do we have so far, Jonathan? We have this list of six, six different levels of interaction with the world that the Apostle places in a descending order. He puts the most important thing at the top to begin with and builds everything out in that relationship pyramid. And Rick, that list touches every part of our lives. And that's the beauty of it. In this section of Second Corinthians, the Apostle, by talking about how to deal with the world around us, touches Every level and aspect of a Christian's life. So just let's list, list them out. Do not be bound. Do not be unequally yoked. Partnership, fellowship, harmony, in common, agreement. So there are six different levels of relationships laid out in this relationship pyramid. And they include whatever situation we get into. You can, you can plug in some of these, these aspects to whatever your situation is in life. You're right. You can. And you know, so often we spend time, we, we have neighbors and we have workplaces and we have friends. Mm-hmm. All of those things aren't necessarily in the context of Christianity. Right. No, they're so not. those are the areas specifically, and, and we have recreation, I should add that. Those are the areas that we have to look at these, this list and say, okay, how am I doing? Where am I? Again, a mirror lesson. Where's your heart? I really right. like that. Yeah. Where is my heart in relation to these things? Is my heart being driven by the will of God through Christ or by what I want? This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, should Christians only marry Christians? Coming up, why is there such a disconnect between believers and non-believers? That's next.
You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Should Christians Only Marry Christians? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And don't forget to befriend us on Facebook. That's right. Friend us on Facebook. Don't forget to sign up for CQ Rewind, the full edition. Free service offered at ChristianQuestions.com. And don't forget the Christian Questions app for your smartphone. It's also a, a free service. It's all there, folks. You're really going to love it. And uh, So, Jonathan, let's conclude this. Let's put this all in, in perspective. Again, I just want to remind our, our listeners that the, the reason we're talking about this subject is that you, the listeners, asked us to. Mm-hmm. And we try to be very sensitive to the things that you would like to hear. And so if you have thoughts about subjects you'd like to hear, please, 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 please let us know. Uh, because it really does help us in, in terms of setting up where we're, where we're heading. And uh, so as we go through this, a very important subject. It, it deals with marriage specifically, but then it deals with life in all our relationships. All of them very specifically. This, these six different levels of the relationship pyramid, if you will. So the apostle, you know, you had at the end of the last segment said, well, where does such a disconnect between believers, or why is there such a disconnect yeah. between believers and unbelievers? Mm-hmm. Well, the apostle answers that question with the next couple of verses. And this is the conclusion of these verses um, in Second Corinthians chapter 6, verses 16 through 17. For we are the temple of the living God. Now remember, he said that in 1 Corinthians, and he's reminding them again of the same thing. That's how important this is. Just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from the midst and be ye separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean, and I will welcome you. So the apostle, when he concludes this, he says, you're the temple of the living God, remember that. And remember, there's no harmony between temple and wickedness and idols. Mm -hmm. And then he quotes Leviticus 26 and Isaiah 52. That's wonderful. And he says, be ye separate says the Lord. That, see, that encompasses the whole thing. But the beauty of it is the Apostle's essence to say, oh, by the way, be separate and move on to something else. He explained in great detail how to do it, what to look for, the kinds of relationships, and how to set ourselves up. Mm-hmm. So he really puts it in a great perspective. So he's saying, walk away from any ties that are of this world that are therefore unclean, again, in terms of godliness, Mm -hmm. that can deter us from that which we have covenanted to do. And Rick, this could even deal in Christianity itself as, as a whole, where if you're hearing things that don't square with God's word that are more worldly than following after Christ, you may have to make decisions to change. Well, you're right about that. And, and let me just give a, a one very blunt, very public example of that. Uh, remember a couple of years ago, we had Kevin Miller on, the, the producer of Hellbound, the, yes. the documentary. Yes. Did a wonderful job on that. And in that documentary that he had produced, uh, there was a segment with some Christians in there. They were the, the Westboro Baptist Church or something, and they were horrible. And you know what? And they called themselves Christians, and I'm going to tell you, they were horrible in their representation of Christ. Right. It was a complete misrepresentation. It was insulting. It was degrading and did not belong. 
And you're right. You see something like that, and if you're associated with something like that, it does not square with the will of God through Christ. And you've got to walk away from that. That's right. You've just got to walk away, because that's not what Jesus is about. Period. So be ye separate. Separate yourselves from all of that junk and learn to exist, learn to coexist. You know, there's lots of scriptures we didn't go into that talk about our um, our being positive influences in the world around us. Sure, sure. So all of this separateness is in the context of still being a positive influence in the world around you. So it doesn't mean you separate yourself and become a monk, you know, and, and, and then, you know, there's... Or be judgmental to those outside of your group. Right. So there's so much more to this. There is. So the apostle concluded it saying, you know, you've got to be separate. He goes back to the Old Testament picture of Israel. And then he gives a promise to end this section of scripture, 2 Corinthians 6.18. I will be a father to you and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. What an amazing promise. So he's saying, do this and I will do that. Do this, be separate in all of these ways, and I will do that. You will be sons and daughters to me. That's powerful. It is. And that can be a little nerve-wracking because we have to comply Mm -hmm. with the will of God. That's what we have to do. Our final be separate lesson from Proverbs 4. Turn your foot from evil. These verses began with a choice. Remember, watch your heart with all diligence. Choice. We absolutely have a choice as to whom and what we bind our hearts to. Let it not come to be that we choose to bind ourselves to anyone who is not a follower of Christ. End with the choice to walk away from evil, to walk away from that which is not godly, to walk away from that which is not in the light of spirituality. Wherever possible, choose to walk away. So, Jonathan, we've been alluding to it. Now we have to deal with the big what if. That's right. And what's the what if about? What if... uh a brother or sister has married an unbeliever. What's our responsibility? What happens to them? What happens to us? What should we think? What should we do? They they made this choice. Now, according to these scriptures, you're saying, oh, it wasn't a good choice to make according to these scriptures. What do you do? You say, well, you know, let's let's teach them a lesson. Here's what I think we should do. And this is this is my personal perspective on this and I feel very uh, no no let me rephrase that. I believe very strongly about this. I believe that marriage is sacred. Absolutely. It's called a covenant of God in scripture and we are unequivocally taught that once it is made it must be honored and kept except for very rare reasons. And you can see Jesus teaching on that. Mm-hmm. Because of this, I would deem my responsibility to this brother or sister who made that choice which, you know, when you look at the scriptures, it steps outside of those guidelines. I would say my responsibility to them is to support them, to encourage them and to be there for them. It's my privilege. It's my awesome, unequivocal privilege as a fellow follower of Jesus to bear their burden in any appropriate way. I'm not the judge of that brother or sister. I'm their brother. So when you come across a situation like that, it's not for you to say, well... Well, look at the decision you made. Suffer. (laughs) No. But that that can be a human uh, reaction. We don't want to get ourselves involved in such human reactions. This is all spiritual stuff. All of us in areas of our lives, all of us make decisions that are not following exact scriptural guidance. Mm -hmm. We all do. do. We make mistakes. We're human. So I would want... 
someone to look upon me if I have made a decision like that with, with, the, with, with mercy and compassion and love and kindness and fellowship. Absolutely. To be able to say to me, look, Rick, I get it. And, you know, maybe I've committed myself to something I shouldn't have, but I'm committed now. Okay, what do I do with that? I have to work through it. You know, Jonathan, somebody makes a decision like that to marry someone who's, who's not of their same Christian faith, and there are inherent difficulties. It's not my job to add more. <laughs> I like that. It's not. It's my job to help them be as spiritually minded as they possibly can be. And folks, I, I, you know, this is such a, an important part of this discussion. This is where we started. But I feel so strongly about this that our job is that of support, is that of guidance, is that of, 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 of scriptural focus. And okay. And, and Rick, what you're saying is that's love yes. pouring out to your brother or sister. And it's like, remember, there are no guarantees in yes. marriage. Right. And we have seen in our lives examples of unequally yoked marriages and the spouse that was not a believer became a believer yes. and dedicated their lives to the Lord. Yes. And I think the influence of love, support, and concern helped them yes. to get to that point. If you become judgmental and argumentative, how's that going to bring anyone to the Lord? Right. And, and you know, I, we've also seen examples where it's gone exactly the opposite. You're way. right. You're right. So, again, our job is to be a brother or a sister because it's not to be a judge. Yes. Be Christ-like. Right. So let's go back to our beginning scripture, Jonathan, as we begin to... Uh, begin to wind this up. John 17 verses 14 through 17. This is where we began to get into the depth of the separateness of the Christian, the true, true, true Christian faith again. This is Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he's crucified. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. They do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So, folks, again, look in the mirror to see if the reflection is one of sanctified, and that means scripturally sound choices in all areas of life. If so, praise God for his strength. If not, why not? And then what can we change? But, Rick, a warning. If you find you're unequally yoked after you realize it, you don't go and divorce someone no, because you realized no, it. No, no, no. Because you work through it and be an example. And we know Jesus teaches there's only one specific reason for a divorce. Yeah. And, and yeah, and, and, and so it is such a critically important thing to put this in its proper perspective. And that's why we spent two hours not focusing on just the marriage thing, but focusing on the relationship pyramid. Why? Because the scriptures showed us that we have to do that. You can't talk about one without the other. Yes. And you're right. If someone is in that situation and they, and they sort of wake up one day and say, oh, wow, yes, I shouldn't have done that. You know, look, now what? The answer is be faithful to it. Right. You be made the faithful. decision. You made be, the choice. Be faithful. Faithful, be deeply faithful to that covenant of marriage. Don't be, be I mean, a great example. Don't compromise that covenant of marriage one iota. Yes, but also be faithful to your calling to Christ. Yes, and yes, it's harder. It's harder, but look, that's where you are. Mm -hmm. Let me let me let me walk with you in your walk of faithfulness. That's the way I think we need we need to really focus on this thing. So. 
And Jonathan, as we as we begin to wrap this up, again, let's go over these six different levels of togetherness, uh, starting with the most intimate and working down to the most general. The yoke, fastening together in a long-term or permanent relationship. Okay, now remember, when you are yoked together, you are literally attached. You can't get out. Okay, you're attached. Second, partnership, agreement of and in action. All right, so... Partnership, it doesn't have the same level of attachment, but there is an agreement of an agreement in action. You are walking alongside of one another, walking to, to supplement one another as you're continuing to move forward. It's not quite the same as the yoke, but it's, it's a very strong relationship. Third level of togetherness, fellowship, agreement, and principle. See, when we fellowship with others, we have an agree- uh, there, there's a there's a, an unspoken um, bottom line of agreement. Now, we may in our fellowship disagree on certain things, mm-hmm. but we have that that agreement in principle of, as to what the most important thing is. Fourth level of togetherness, harmony, playing the same piece of music in the same orchestra. And I love that one. <laughs> I love that because the word literally is the word we get our word symphony from. And if we're going to be part of that, we ha- what we're seeing is that when we are together with those like-minded in faith, the harmony is so beautiful. It is. Or should be. So beautiful, I should say. The fifth level of togetherness, common ground in the interlocking principles upon which we stand. And again, that gets uh, down into the, into the interlocking principles of life in general. What do we stand for? What does our integrity tell us? Uh, what is right? What is wrong? What is morality? Those kinds of things. Sixth level of togetherness, accord, the general purpose for living our lives. So you have that, and that applies to everybody, everywhere, and everything. And again, we are told in many scriptures to be good citizens, to be contributory to those around us, to be living examples of the love of Christ. Mm-hmm. So in our separateness, and we should strive to be separate. I mean, that's, it's like, I mean, that's one of the most important things in Scripture here is to be separate. Our separateness should show the people around us the love of God through Christ. It should give us a sense of how important it is to let the light of God shine through our everyday life. And again, folks, when you come across someone who maybe has made a choice that isn't, hasn't been the wisest, you support them. You help them to fulfill their responsibilities because God must be honored and God must be made famous even when we do the wrong thing and we attempt to make it right. Folks, we hope you've enjoyed being with us today. It's been an important subject, a difficult subject. Much more to come next week. Different subject for Jonathan and Rick and Christian Questions. Should Christians only marry Christians? The scriptures tell us what we have to do now is make those scriptures our own. Till next week, think about it.